Hello, everyone. We are back for part two of the Josh Bomar, Kafaru Cast, Frank the Tank, uh, Diet, Nutrition, uh, Hunting, Traditional Archery, Compound Archery podcast, which is, looks like it's going to end up hitting close to four hours, so we're doing it in two parts. Um, the, first, <laughs> the first part we just talked went down several uh, rabbit holes on uh, nutrition, but um, this part we're just going to talk about hunting. And uh, just for people listening in, you know, maybe they're only tuning in to part two, go over quickly kind of your hunting background, because I don't think people realize you were kind of broke as a joke as a kid um and hunted basically since you know when i say birth but at a super young age and uh you know the diet nutrition was part of it as well through the whole thing so kind of give the rundown yeah a lot of people you know think that just by you know my physical appearance or how i portray on the fitness side you know that i didn't grow up hunting that i'm a city boy or something but but like I, i said in the other podcast you know i grew up on a dirt road um, with no neighbors and, and my, and it wasn't like we were rich by any means, you know? So it was, uh, a very, very humble upcoming. And, and I just did nothing but hunt my whole life. And ever since I was born, I shot my first deer when I was eight. And then my grandpa, you know, and family were all big hunters. My mom was a hunter. My grandma was a, a hunter. She was the first woman in the Ohio big buck club. And, uh, it was just, it was really cool upbringing. And, you know, I grew up that shooting a gun was for sissies and, and grandpa wouldn't let us shoot a crossbow. He said it's for women and children. And if you, if you're disabled, then you can shoot a crossbow. And I'm just like, gee, many Christmas. So that was my upbringing. I don't necessarily believe that now, but that's kind of how I got brought up. So grandpa and dad made me shoot, you know, my first few deer with no sights I was, I had to learn how to shoot instinctive to really appreciate the bow. And, uh, and then I started recurve hunting, you know, when I was 17 and shot my first doe with a recurve, you know, at 18. And that was grandpa's old recurve, which was pretty cool. And, and yeah, I just, I got into only bow hunting really early on in my life. You know, I shot a couple deer with a, with a gun. Um, but it just, it didn't do much for me, you know, like for me, I like to, beat the animal in its best and its best is when you're in its realm of senses the sense of eyesight smell hearing you know uh, its sense of presence and that beating an animal like there is when you're getting close with a bow and so for me that's what it was always been about for me ever since i was 18 years old and that's i've strictly i haven't shot a deer with a gun in over 12 years 13 years i think gotcha um but not to dive too far ahead, how big was that deer you just shot? Uh, it looked to be... Yeah, well, wires. Yeah, I hunted wires. He grossed green score 215, and uh, his his official score after deductions and everything for Boone and Crockett went 207 in like seven eights or six eights. But yeah, I shot him with a bow during gun season, which tells you how committed I am to bow hunting. <laughs> but... I have nothing against gun hunters. It just it's or anything else, but I I just enjoy the the game of archery. Gotcha. And how much do you hunt with a compound, and how much a stick bow? Because I know you used to hunt a lot more with a a stick bow, and then I think you said you got target panic, so you stopped for a while and recently started back up. But you shoot, uh, yeah, I think you guys shoot for Hoyt or shoot a Hoyt. Um, are you doing kind of an eighty twenty split with the compound, or what's it been? 
You know, so what happened with me is back in 2011, I strictly hunted with a homemade bow for five years. So it was, I, I just, I, up until 2011 and I built my own bow and I was shooting stuff with it, shot three or four, actually I shot five Pope and Young animals with my homemade long bow. And, uh, and then in 2011, I missed a 215 to 220 whitetail at 20 yards and I freaking ticked me off because I was so pissed. I was like, I would have been happy if I shot that deer with a grenade launcher. You know, I didn't care. I just wanted that deer so bad. And I freaking missed cause I, I had target panic and I didn't get to anchor. And so for me, it was one of those situations where I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch to a compound and, uh, and because target pain, it got so bad. And then I started shooting a compound and, and that's kind of the, the rest was history. I hadn't picked one, a comp, a recurve up, um, for years. And, and then I tried picking it up because I missed shooting it and I just, I couldn't get to anchor cause I was, I, I was so terrible at, uh, at target panic. So long story short, I, uh, started getting target panic with my compound too two, three years ago. And I was locking low on animals and, and I usually would do okay on animals, but I could, I locked low on targets. And, uh, and then when it happened on an animal, I'll never forget. I missed two bucks in the same year that were over 160 with, with, with a bow and it, with my compound because I locked low and tried to jump to target. And I was just like, Oh my God, I said, I'm done. So I scoured the earth for the the best people in target panic, which brought me to Joel Turner. I took his online course, cured my target panic for my compound. And I was like, well, heck I could apply these same principles with a trad bow. So I picked my trad bow up again a few years ago and I could shoot it without target panic. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. And I gradually started shooting it more and more. And, uh, and I started hunting with it. At, and then when wire showed up on camera, you know, I was going to start hunting with a trad bow and I was like, not a chance, not, not right now, <laughs> not with this giant deer. Cause he was, I three drop times, 23 inches inside with 19 inch G2. I mean, it was just insane. He had 20, just shy of 30 inch beams. And, uh, I was like, I'm not making this same mistake twice, you know? And, uh, so I hunted with my compound all year. And I finally got my chance the second day in gun season and got him killed. But I shot him at six, had to shoot him at 67 yards with my compound. So it wasn't like it was a chip shot with a, with a bow anyway. So I couldn't have made that shot with a longbow. But, uh, and then after that, I took my, my recurve to Texas and that was the first time I'd hunted with it in a long time. And, uh, and it felt awesome. And now this year I'm definitely hunting a lot more with my, with my compound or trad bow. So if I had to put a percentage on it this year, it's probably going to be actually 50, 50, um, maybe even 60, 40 towards the, the traditional side. Gotcha. And I mean, you, you went and saw Joel Turner recently. Um, how did that, how did that go? I saw him pouring water on top of your head. Um, how did that go as far <laughs> as, uh, with your, your, with your iron mind? Well, Joel Turner's a beast. If you've ever talked to the guy, that dude is extremely educated with a controlled shot. Like, and he's a, I mean, he's a, a high level, you know, sniper guy too. I mean, he's been on hostage situations where 
he's had to shoot a person literally uh, that was held a little girl hostage. I mean, so you talk about a controlled shot. He's vetted a lot of this information. So he basically helped train me when I went out there to turn any amount of distraction into focus. And some people naturally can do this where they, they, they turn in target panic or they turn in buck fever. They turn all this stuff into this high level amount of focus. And you'll find this with some of the high level hunters, probably yourself, a lot of other guys that just seem to always are killers and can make things happen. And so for me, he taught me a controlled way of, of taking any amount of distraction and turning it into focus and making and executing a perfect shot, which as you, if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen, you know, I, he was pouring a bucket of cold water out of the, the hose over my head while I'm shooting. And, and it was, I mean, as intense as it could possibly get in terms of distractions. And I still was able to pull off a 12 ring, you know, and, and so that was pretty intense, but I, I needed that level of training because I'm getting ready for a grizzly bear hunt, which I'm taking my homemade bow on and I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, on that note, speaking of bears, not to bring up old stuff, um, some of you, some people in the hunting world may have initially heard of you. You, you were the guy that speared the bear, uh, that caused this insane <laughs> crisis of people burning under armor and, uh, a bunch of other insane shit. Actually, I kind of got a kick out of it. I, w- I will say in the spirit of full candor, when I saw the video, I thought two things. Fuck, I really wish I was there doing that with him. And why did he post that on YouTube? I, well, how did all that? Because <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. I just thought, I think, how did I put it, Frank? You know what? I jerk off every day in the shower, but not everybody should see that. <laughs> oh, my um, God. What? <laughs> 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 and I was like, man, that's cool. I want to spear a bear. But then I thought, I don't think I could handle the abuse. I wouldn't put it on. Uh, I wouldn't have put it on YouTube. Obviously, that didn't hurt you guys too, too much. But it was an insane uproar for a few months, wasn't it? Well, what was crazy about that whole thing, and and, uh, we can dive down this rabbit hole if you'd like, but I mean, what was nuts is I I went to Under Armour that whole time before I speared the bear and said, hey, this has been a dream of mine. You know, I was an all-American javelin thrower, so I practiced throwing the spear for, you know, three or four years, and and it was always a dream of mine to spear an animal, and Alberta was talking about banning it. So I was like, I got to do it now. And they're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know, go where you don't belong. You're going to be the ultimate predator. That mono we mono with a bear. I think this would be great for our brand. Like this is Under Armour talking to me prior to the bear hunt. So I actually went with an Under Armour sponsored outfitter. Like this outfitter is sponsored. This bear outfitter was sponsored by Under Armour. And so I go out there. I'm successful. I kill this giant bear. I mean, it was seven to monster 20 plus inch melon on him 400 plus pounds i mean i would have speared any bear i just got super lucky that it was a monster and so i was like holy cow this is insane everyone's excited the photos were you know graphic but they weren't like over the top i had bloody hands everything was hacked totally fine i posted on youtube it goes viral and i didn't think anything of it because the bear only went 60 yards and so he was and he ran out of there full speed so he was dead within seconds. We didn't come back till the next day because it was pouring rain. I mean, you can't track a bear in the rain with that noise on that soft moss because they can, they, sometimes bears will circle back on their own track and wait for something that's tra- attacking them or tracking them and attack it. So we're like, well, it, just in case he's not totally dead, we should probably back off. But that bear was, 
he died within four to five seconds. And, uh, and so I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, my issue with that whole thing that I deeply regret that I didn't tell the story of how I trained for that spear hunt. Like I bought a life-size bear target, a life-size grizzly target and, and threw that thing and chopped it in half from training so much, um, balanced the spear. Literally I gritted the entire spear with a B four, like you would play a game like B on B four. I knew if I placed my fingers at this spot that it spun this way or it balanced this way. And I gritted the whole thing, built my own custom handle. So it had more of a spin on it. I mean, I, I mean, I went to the extreme, but the video would have been an hour long and I was trying to create a cool viral video for the hunting community. And, uh, and yeah, so what ended up happening four months goes by, everything's kosher, but then a, and, uh, they European like mailing system or something found the story, decided to turn me into like this psychopathic murderous character. And they did, they did a great job. And then, um, kudos to them, you know, but they, they were all, everyone was freaked out cause I celebrated it afterwards, but they didn't realize that I had four, four to five years of training for that moment that came true. And I got my bear and I was just like, Oh my gosh. So, you know, the emotional, I'm, I'm a high energy kind of guy anyway. So like whenever that happened, I got super emotional and excited. So for me, um, I didn't think anything of it. I just shared that. And Tim Wells has speared over 80 animals and had multiple spear kills on YouTube. So I didn't think that it was going to be a big deal. I was just another guy. And boy, was I wrong. My God. <laughs> no, but the European people posted it, which it got viral, viral views. So then, then CBS, CNN, I mean, it got worldwide news because people saw the, the, um, the traction it was getting, which then put all this pressure on Under Armour. Under Armour calls me and says, hey, you know, I'm not even sponsored by Under Armour. It's Sarah sponsored. She wasn't even in the video. She just ran the camera. And and so I had no affiliation with Under Armour other than being married to Sarah. And so they call us and they say, hey, we're reaching some flack here. You know, we're going to have to say that we never supported this. And I was like, well, that that's lying. You guys told me this was a great idea. You thought this was awesome. You wanted me to wear your gear. I have a text message from your VP in marketing saying, thank you for wearing Under Armour during your spear hunt because it's awesome. And you guys posted me on social media. I said, I have all of this and evidence and, and we could have been way worse than we were to Under Armour because they said, well, we're just going to have to do that for marketing and, and to save our ass. So they went out and they did it. And then we literally set, did one post where we said, you know, they gave into the pressures of the anti-hunter, you know, and whether you support them or not, that's up to you. We're not, we're not supporting them anymore. And that's all we ever did. Everyone else did all the work. I mean, we didn't post the screenshots of them, you know, sharing our videos, the text messages from the, the text messages from the, uh, their, their marketing team thanking me for wearing their gear during the spear hunt, none of that stuff. And so we didn't, we, we could have been way worse and, but we didn't have to cause the rest of the world just said, screw these guys. They take our money. They don't support us hunters. And that's kind of what boiled down to, you know, and, and I get it. If I owned a business like Under Armour and I had some guy do this, I would have, I would have coughed it up as, yeah, I made a mistake, but I wouldn't have lied. I would have said, yeah, Sorry, guys, we screwed up. Won't happen again. 
But when you lie, you deserve what you get. Yeah, I, I, well, I've never liked underwear, Under Armour clothing, because it wasn't very good. It may have changed. You know, this is previous years. I don't know about now. I can't speak upon it. But I just looked at it and thought, you know, I'm too chicken to post that because I can't handle the abuse. Anytime I post a bear, a lion, anything, I'm getting some kind of hate mail. So I will have to say you need a dump truck for your balls for posting that um, because I don't I, I would not mess with it. I mean, I don't Frank. Uh, I was just going to say, like, it could have been any <laughs> other animal. But if it's a bear, man, we get yeah. I mean, you guys get more hate than I do for for the bear kills because you guys have a ton of followers. But um, just a weird thing with people and bears and like the humanization of bears that people have done over time with cartoons and I mean, teddy bears about, and what would have happened if he speared it as it was eating its cub so it could breed again would that have changed anything like as it's ripping the head off of a cub right. and then you spear it and it's like hey i was trying to save the cub's life you probably would have been a hero but instead you speared right. it and then you're yeah, an asshole i just don't think there a lot of people understand bear hunting in general and and just the how it taking a mature boar is um Helps the population, I guess, or, you know, it helps the younger boars come up and the cubs and all that stuff. We, you think about it, um, the, the fit MD, Jessica, the lady, that's where I go for test replacement. You know, she, she, she gave me the frowny face when I posted that wolf the other day (laughs) and I'm like, these things are evil. Like, what are you going to pet them? Like they eat everything. There's no off button. You know, there's talking about introducing them here in Colorado for stupid reasons, but you know, I, I was walking through the airport, you know, in Portland, and I'm looking, if, if it went to a vote right now, right, about hunting, it, meaning you can't educate anyone about the circle of life. You can't educate the millions and billions of dollars that hunters bring into the market. You just have to walk up to everybody in the airport and say, are you pro or con on hunting? We're going to get our ass kicked because people aren't educated, right? Oh, you know, they just yeah. don't know. Well, that's, that's the problem, too. It's like they the the media likes to to take people like myself or anything like that and put negative light on it or every single tv show or every movie 90% of the hunters are made out to be psychopaths you know and they got animals all over their wall and they're like staring at them or you i mean they're just they're they're always the serial killer i mean it's just weird you know it's a uh, a weird education towards the masses in a negative light but if they only knew like bears for example you know kill their cubs for the the mother will come back into heat i mean because she won't be in heat for two years because she has to raise the cubs so they, they she'll the bear the male will kill the cub mama comes back into heat just for he can get his rocks off it's just insane to think about you know like and you could go down every single animal and, and how they live it, it is the most unhuman environment there possibly is there's no characteristics about even monkeys in africa baboons i mean they're evil too i mean it's insane now i don't say i'm not saying a deer is evil but but there's a lot of predators that are evil but i don't know what it is there's something about predators that that people love and i don't know why it's just it's just a weird thing yeah bears yeah especially especially bears like when i was i was just in bc last couple weeks um, for 11 days and we saw a, a crap ton of grizzlies and the look that those things give you when they see you it's like they're not afraid and they could easily just kill you and 
people just they they, they think a, a bear or a grizzly bear is a cuddly animal like those things are fucking killing machines man oh yeah you're not top of the food chain in their world are you kidding me they eat everything and they they, they just think am, am i hungry or not when they look at you <laughs> i got when i was in alaska my we went up to uh above the arctic circle and went caribou hunting and i got tracked down and charged by a grizzly bear out there and it was intense, man. I've never seen something like that. So it's just so big. People just don't realize it when they're sitting at Starbucks in Seattle and they don't have any any sort of of, of comprehension of how big these animals are. And then you, you think about how much they have to eat in order to maintain that kind of body mass. I mean, they are killing machines and they eat the things that are weak. And the things that are weak are the babies are the old animals maybe and that's people don't realize that 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 nothing in the wild dies of old age nothing everything dies a horrible death in the wild that's just how it works no deer usually unless they freeze to death goes to sleep and just dies they get eaten alive by coyotes everything else i mean so at the end of the day I mean, we all know this and our the listeners i'm sure know this but hunting is an absolute necessity but when you see a bear in real life, like a grizzly, your whole perspective on those animals change. Like whenever I saw that saw that bear charging me in real life, and I instantly wanted to hunt grizzly bears. Never, I always wanted to, but I wanted to really bad when that thing was charging me. And I, it got within a hundred yards, and I just had my longbow, and I'm like, and I had a sidearm. I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna die. Is what I was thinking because this thing was running full bore at me with his big giant claws and everything else and i'm just like gee many christmas so i just got as big as i could and yelled and it ran which i got lucky but man you talk about absolute um insanity you know seeing a bear that size in real life and to think that people don't want those to be hunted and those to run amok and, and they get closer to town as food gets more scarce i mean that is a terrible terrible idea what uh, who are you going with on this this uh, grizzly hunt coming up or can you talk about that oh uh, yeah i can um we're going to uh we're hunting i believe inland grizzly bears i'm going with a guy named casey i can't remember his his uh his last name or or outfit or but it's um it's gonna be pretty intense so i'm i'm pretty pumped about it i've been training really hard with my homemade bow uh, got everything dialed in last night. I mean, I've been getting it dialed in, just trying to figure out points and like broadheads. And I want to go big, but I'm a little too worried that it's going to be too big. So I was actually having a good conversation with you last night on what broadhead to use and, and all that. So that's good. Frank's seen a few animals die by the hands of a wide cut broadhead with me. <laughs> I, I like that big. Remember the tree shark yeah, I shot? Yeah. That's what we were talking about. If it go through, you know, a, a bear. And I was just saying they're not, um, you can poke a pull through a bear with a pencil um you know they're not overly you know thick the fur obviously can slow it down a bit but they're not nearly as bad as shooting something like an elk or it's whatever like shooting a, an axe or a tomahawk These things are freaking gnarly yeah the the tree sharks are so uh i think josh said if he bounces off of it he's gonna make sure and tell everyone <laughs> that it was my advice to shoot that broad i think it has more to do with a heavier <laughs> arrow than anything. yeah that's what it was his because you're shooting almost a 600 grain arrow uh what was it 580 i can't remember what was your arrow weight well it, it was but i chopped it down I, it, last night um it's probably going to be about 560 
maybe a little bit less, maybe 555. But I'm running a 65 grain insert with a 200 grain broadhead with a four fletch. But I'm running 52 pounds, uh, just shy of 53. It's borderline 53. So I don't know if that's going to be enough to to go through a bear. I'm a little worried, to be honest. Like it's, I don't know if I should beef it up more or or what to do here. But it's going to be just shy of you know probably 560 grains maybe 555 and i in your guys' opinion i mean you've seen uh, you guys have more experience with grizzlies than i do i mean do you think that's going to be too, not enough you know kinetic energy or momentum to carry that broadhead through that animal shooting a 2 inch cut i mean i think you're good man um in my experience is far more with black bears than than grizzlies but you know what wouldn't be a horrible idea is shoot tyler freel a message like i said he just shot ripped through well, he shot black bears and, he, and that grizzly last year with a stone point. It was an obsidian tip wood arrow, and, and he ripped through that thing. So, I dude, you can get those 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 broadheads so sharp. I don't think you're going to have any, you know, any issue personally. But I'm also a fan of of big cutting diameters. So more room for error, my friend. That's why I'm a huge fan of them too. And I <laughs> I could get you know like a Valkyrie head or something to fly back like great. But or the swamp sharks or something with a smaller cut. But man, that swampy ground and wetness of Alaska, it just it's not easy to track a bear. And I don't want him to run out there and take forever to die. I'd rather him, you know, if I if I'm not perfect with my shot, that he dies quick or bleeds fast, anything. Because I mean, that hair has to soak up a lot of blood. I mean, that's shaggy hair. Oh yeah, no, it 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 uh, it definitely does. But what uh, what other hunts do you guys have planned coming up for this year? Dude, this year is going to be an epic hunt. So I actually have to start building my Cape Buffalo hunt. So I, uh, we are heading to Mozambique um, a week after I get back. We'll be home five days from my Alaska grizzly hunt. And then we fly out to Mozambique. I mean, we're going way deep into the middle of, of Africa. And uh, in a, a totally fringing Cape Buffalo out there um, with my compound. And, and that'll be, that'll be pretty epic. So we're going to spend 10 days out there, hopefully get a Cape Buffalo. And then we're going to fly into South Africa and start hunting out there. And I'm using, so the Cape Buffalo hunt will be with my compound, but then the rest of Africa over water holes and bait, hopefully um, depends on the setup and where, we, where we go. But, uh, we're going to hunt, I'm going to hunt everything with a recurve or my longbow. I haven't, haven't made that decision yet on, uh, on what i what i'm gonna do depends which one i shoot better but um but yeah so then i'll be hunting out there for three weeks and i have a i just planned a hyena hunt at night so i'm gonna try to kill a hyena with no lights and only hunt it over the moonlight over bait and hope that i can shoot one with a stick bow in complete darkness and film it in night vision so it's it's gonna be it'll be pretty epic if we can pull it off so just out of curiosity, since uh, Amy and I recently started hunting together, or she just started hunting, on a like a, a ratio of hunts, how often do you and Sarah have blowouts? So on a, <laughs> on, a, on ten hunts, do you have any blowouts? Like one, two, three, or do you guys like well, just first peas of all, and who, carrots? Who wears the pants in the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both questions. <laughs> Good question. Uh, I'm a gentleman, so I always let Sarah go first. So typically, uh, it's I am shooting. I, I get very limited, not limited opportunity, 
but um, Sarah always goes first, and just because I can shoot further, I I can do a little bit more, so I feel like I'll have more opportunities. So like I can usually kill the animal that I'm going after with less time. So I try to let Sarah go first, depending on the situation. But 90% of time, Sarah goes first, and then and we don't go one, two, three, whack. You know, it's. I go home empty-handed a lot, unfortunately, and that's kind of how it happens. But in Africa, you know, we're we're at a point now where we're able to because we film everything. I I don't, and you guys might get on me for this, but I don't pull the trigger or release that arrow unless it's on camera. Yeah, Frank and I are exactly like that. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, dude, we hate to turn the camera on. (laughs) We're we're bad. I love and see it has nothing to do with sponsors because we've gotten rid of pretty much all of our sponsors, but a couple and our, our YouTube channel is growing. I just I love capturing on a film because I love reliving it and and I just I love telling stories and I love telling the hunt and nothing is better than capturing it on video and just sharing that with the world because I just that's a huge passion of mine. It has nothing to do with sponsors. I just love the filming of it and so. The camera has saved a lot of animals' lives, if I'm being honest. So it's it's one of those those situations that I'm like, okay, well, I film first, and so I usually film Sarah. Sarah films me, and that's how it kind of goes back and forth. So we don't. But this year we are bringing a cameraman with us to Africa, so I'll have one of the 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 PHs out there run a camera for me. Sarah can have another guy our cameraman running the camera for her. So we'll be, I mean, just smashing animals left and right. We hope, you know, when we're out there. And so that'll be, that'll be pretty exciting if, if it works out, cause we'll both be hunting at the same time. Gotcha. Now for the important question, how often do you guys have blowouts? What is a blowout? How often are you fighting because <laughs> while you're hunting, like a blowout, like oh. something goes, you know, <laughs> sideways and there's, there's, you know, some, some family agitation. Trouble in paradise. Okay, that's every, every every single hunt. I mean, every single hunt. And I've and I've learned when it first started, man. Like she was like crying, and I'm all upset because the opportunity got missed of where we should have killed this deer or turkey or or something. So I would just be yelling because I'm passionate about it, you know. And you care so much, and you want it to happen, and then it doesn't because of a a minor mistake or something. You freak out, and I I had to learn really quick that that is not appropriate. And, and if, and if I think I should say it, I've learned that you just don't say it. You just don't because they're already beating themselves up enough. And, and I'm very lucky to have a killer of a wife. Like she, she doesn't mess up very much. And I got to be honest, she messes up probably less than I mess up. And so like I used to get so frustrated with all the situations. And so she, it would make her not like hunting as much and, or not like shooting as much and it wouldn't be worth it for her to go. So I learned very quickly that I just need to bite my tongue and, and not say anything and just realize like, Hey, you know, whenever I first started hunting, you know, I screwed up way more than, than our spouses do. I mean, think about that. I mean, if they're just now getting into it, let's say they've been doing it for five years I mean, think about what the mistakes you were making when you were only five years into hunting. I mean, you can't hold them accountable for mistakes that they make or they don't draw at a certain time or, or whatever. I mean, that takes years of dedication and learning, you know, and, and just experience. So I try to put things in proper perspective, but your, to answer your question, the blowout happens all the time, even with 
my new filter system, I still screw it up all the time. <laughs> it's how just not how easy long did to, you implement the new filter system and what does that entail? <laughs> oh, it took a couple years to realize I was an idiot. So if I'm being honest, <laughs> it's, so it's been, I've had it in place now for a couple years and it's just, dude, what turkey hunting is the worst when it comes to this because you bring in the blind, you set up the decoys, it's so early, everything is. And then you got all the camera. I run five cameras. I got a camera in the decoys, a camera in the blind. I got a camera on the front. I run a thousand frames a second camera on top of the main camera and all of it's set up. And then you miss. I lose my shit. And so it's like, <laughs> and so I was just like, oh God. And I'm just like freaking out. And then I get all pissed off and then I'll miss. And I'm like, oh, dang it. You know, and it's just funny. Gotcha. Yeah. I just... then it's like, you can't screw up. You know, we. Yeah, a lot That's on the how line. it happens every time. There's so much on the line, and then you put all this pressure on them, and then you put all this pressure on yourself, and you know how it goes. But you said you were just getting started hunting with her. Oh, I just got her hunting. You know, we went to um, to Texas for turkey, and she got one, and then Nebraska, and she put way more pressure on herself to where, and that's just how she is, to where, you know, we didn't, you know, the camera thing wasn't an issue, you know, and I just, like, at one point in time, she kind of just dropped her bow because um, she'd missed, and I, I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, what? She's like, uh, and, you know, we had a quick discussion. I said, look, there is nothing you're going to screw up. I haven't already screwed up 10 times, 100 times, a million times. There's nothing you're going to do to surprise me in a screw-up that I haven't already screwed up. So don't don't worry about it. Like she shot the cross member on the blind, which actually scared the shit out of me because I thought her broadhead opened coming out of the bow. Because you know what I mean? When she shot oh. through, she got tunnel vision yeah. on the turkey. And as it was moving and stopped, it was at like 18 yards and came to like 15 or 14 from left to right. And she's pivoting over. She hit that cross member. And, you know, the turkeys are kind of dumb, you know, in some areas, specifically, you know, areas in right. Nebraska. And so... I'm like, load another arrow. And and she killed it on the second shot when it when it went out a little farther. And I'm looking at the blind trying to figure <laughs> out awesome. what the hell that noise was. And, you know, the turkey's dead. And I, I ran out and grabbed it and I came back. And I'm like, oh. And here's this splintered carbon rod, right, where the, the, the cross member, the, you know, the pop-up. And I'm like, oh, shit, you, you shot the blind. And she had poked a hole in the blind <laughs> earlier with her broadhead. And she felt horrible, and I'm like, do you know how many holes I've put in the blind with broadheads, honey? Don't worry. It happens. It's it's okay. You know, and she put so much pressure on herself. But the only thing blow-up we've had, which I guess we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, the big turkey she shot, which was a 32-pound turkey, which I didn't think I would ever Dude, see, right? Christmas. And when it came in, I was cutting a lot. And, uh, I, I mean, the the bird was just pissed, came straight in over this hill, and it was standing at, like, 16 yards. And at first, I'm like, put your phone down, grab your bow. Because, you know, we were both, we play on our phones and, and shit during, you know, when it's boring. Well, she's, like, oh, scrolling yeah. off shit, and this bird, <laughs> this bird turns broadside, and I see these inch-and-a-half spurs, a beard drag in the ground, and it looks like six butterballs were stuffed inside these feathers. And I'm like... Drop your fucking camera and grab your bow. And she's like, I am grabbing my bow. Don't you yell at me. And I'm like, I am yelling at you. Grab your bow. Hurry. Well, you know, 
to me, you know, I'm looking at this freaking turkey like, oh, my God, <laughs> like we got to kill this thing. So and I didn't get I don't get I have a pretty high tolerance with Amy when I say tolerance. I'm used to her. So she's she's done things where probably 10 years ago I might get mad. But now I'll just you know, I might let tell Frank the story the next day, which I'll tell one of those stories here in a minute. But the turkey, you know comes through and then she she hits the you know the blind and it goes out and she kills it and I carry it back and I'm like oh my god I was like do you know how big this turkey is she's like is it good and I'm like I've never seen a turkey this big <laughs> we have a we have a scale in the truck for backpack cardio and so I google largest turkey ever shot and it was like 37 pounds so then I do top 10 and she would be in the top 10 with this turkey you know especially in Nebraska it it might be a state record. I was like, honey, you you don't understand. This is like a 400-inch elk for, I mean, we get made fun of for hunting right. turkeys, right? But I'm like, this is an enormous turkey, honey. Like, this is as big as I've ever seen. And she doesn't know. She's like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. Like, this is twice the size of a lot of turkeys. Like, this thing's huge. And she's like, yeah, they're bigger double. than the ones in Texas. Literally double. Oh, yeah. She was like, I thought it was big. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's enormous. So, anyway, it was funny. So, then I shot one later, uh, maybe the next day, like, like maybe five feet out of the blind window. Like, I had to stand up. I had, a, like, a 90-some-inch blind so I could shoot down out of the window. And uh, I thought I had hard nice. shot it. And it flew down. Anyway, she and I, I said, hey, you might as well go with me. Um, I said, look under cedar trees. Usually, you know, they'll they'll bed up under those. So we got to be real careful because I want her to learn. And so we go down. We don't find it. And I'm like, it could be anywhere. I'm just going to start wandering around looking. And I get on the other side of this canyon and I see her waving at me. And I'm like, oh, she must have found it. So I, I go back and she's like, I, I, I think it's dead. And I'm like, well, did, did you poke it? She's like, yeah, I poked its head. It didn't move. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, I'm sure it's dead then. Well, it died in, in flight. And it just landed in the middle of this field. There was like a gnarled up ball of feathers where it rolled when it hit. And I'm like, you can yell at me or, or, or raise your voice after the animal's dead. Don't worry about being as quiet. And she was like, oh, I'm just glad we found it. And, uh, I mean, it's cool, you know, hunting with her, but I don't think I'd ever want to take her on a mountain hunt. Um, I'd be too worried, you know, and, and cliffs and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it'll come with time, you know, and you, you have enormous amounts of patience and, and I, I need to still work on that. Cause if Sarah was on here defending, she'd be like, I don't know what kind of filter system Josh is talking about. He yells at me all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, so in my head, I'm not yelling, you know, I'm like, I'm, this is the cool version of me. And it's just, it's just kind of funny, but dude, it's, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, Sarah, it, I love hunting with her because, you know, I want to take her on a mountain hunt, but like in Alaska and stuff, you know, that, that stuff's hard on women because it's not, it's not easy. She they, using the bathrooms hard for them. And then, you know, the terrain is so much harder when you're that small. And, and it's just, it's, it's just not easy for him. And Sarah kept up and did her stuff in Alaska and she kicked ass and, and I'm proud of her, you know, but, um, she won't be with me when it comes time for the Cape Buffalo hunt or the grizzly hunt, just because it, just like you said, that worry fear factor of her being injured, you know, cause at the end of the day, as a, as a loving and caring husband, you want their safety to be number one. And some of the stuff that, that we do is just not safe. And it's and for someone that's experienced or even inexperienced, 
So I'm with you, brother. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun having the wife life out there, but some hunts you just don't want to bring them on just out of pure safety reasons. I will say some of the safety concerns with me is she is so fucking hard headed. She won't listen. Like in Frank, she probably won't listen to this. So you can chime in. Remember when we were crossing over the log and we all walked around it and she fell and scarred her armpit up <laughs> and instead of walking around the log and I'm like, honey, go around. Oh, she's like, oh, hell no. I'm going to show you that a woman can do this. And she went to climb over this fucking log again. And I'm like, what? I had to just walk away. But she's very determined. And if I, I mean, she'd probably argue with me, but I would say if we were on the cliffs and she thought she could make something, I said, don't go that way. In her mind, that means I should go that way to show you I could do it. Frank, what do you think about that? I think my favorite thing that happened with you two on any trip that we went on is that snow slide that we slid down. <laughs> There's like a clear path to slide down on your ass that you won't hit a tree or any rocks. And uh, we both go down, and then she goes down, and she picks the, the route that goes straight into a tree. <laughs> and there's just like, why would you why would you slide down? You could clearly see there's a tree. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's funny. She's very... Um, very determined, like you said, or stubborn. Yeah, she's 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 funny. Um, so I was kind of curious if you ran into the, you know, the same uh, same type of things because there's not that many, um, you know, husband and wife couples out there that, um, you know, that hunt that do. Um, man, I hate to say real hunts, but you know, real. When I I don't say a whitetail is a real hunt. It is real. A dangerous hunt. You know, the the most danger you have on a whitetail right. hunt is falling out of the tree stand. Um, you know, but when you get into Alaska, there's <laughs> quite many more things other than the tree stand. So, oh yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you and I both married an alpha female, and Sarah's super alpha, and obviously you, you're alpha, and so when you guys are both alphas, button heads, there's there is an element of competition there that they feel like they have to prove themselves that they're worthy of being there. And so I get that a lot with Sarah too. And, uh, she's, she holds her own, man. I'm not, this is not a bash Sarah session. Cause I'm telling you right now that she's a killer. She's killed. I mean, probably 30 big game animals with a bow. I mean, that's and a lot of big bucks and she keeps her shit together during the, the hard stuff. So I'm, I'm really proud to, to, that she does as well as she does. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to, to button heads, man, I can't teach her anything, not a single thing. I can't teach her how to shoot. I can't give her advice. Nothing. If it comes from my mouth then it is not listened to at all. <laughs> that just may be a husband thing. So maybe. do you guys ever do any like home projects together? Cause I bet that would be epic. Like putting trim on where she's like standing behind you, telling you what to do. Like for me, that crosses a line where I'm like, if you were good enough to do this, then you wouldn't have asked my help. But instead, you've asked for my help. Now you're telling me what to do. I'm putting the tool bags down, and you can do this shit. The hunting, I have a high amount of patience for. But, like, if I'm in there changing the oil and she's, you know, telling me, like, she knows what's going on, I'm like, well, then change your own oil. Because obviously you couldn't do it. That's why you <laughs> asked my help. I don't need your advice. Um, yeah, it's funny, the <laughs> dynamic between the husband and wife. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, it's just, it's so funny, you know, and, and you have to be a patient person to be a good husband anyways, you know, and, and I just, I think it's, it's, it's hilarious. You know, I kind of see it as just like an interesting game of what I can learn. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. 
I will uh, take note of this. And I just try to go that route because otherwise I just get so stinking frustrated because I, you know, with her being like, she's hard headed, like your, your wife and, and, uh, and that, that, that just makes things a little bit more difficult anywhere. And especially since her and I, you know, run a company together, you know, that's, we run multiple companies together and that's where it's like, that's hard, you know, to do as well, but we make it work, you know, and we just try our best and that's all we can really hope for. I just hope she never stops hunting. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. I, you know, with Amy, I'm good either way. If she, you know, if she wants to hunt or doesn't want to hunt, I'm, I'm good either way. But I'm one more story of Amy to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, we had a glove issue at one point where she didn't Let's bring, hear it. Uh, well, she, she didn't bring her gloves cause her hands don't get cold. And I'm like, Hey, you've got 25 pounds of training weight in your pack why not add six ounces worth something of gloves, right? Like in case it gets cold because the weather was bad. And we went through that little issue and discussion of why I am the way I am of being cold so many times and sleeping on the ground. And so then she went to Texas and froze her ass off in the blind, you know, stagnant and 20 some degrees for four hours. And she learned a lot from that. Well, then we go um, to change, you know, fast forward a couple weeks. We're, and she has borrowed my jacket a couple times during training hikes. Okay, so I've given her whatever jacket I have in my pack. So I go to change out her backpack to a new one, right? Like to a new frame and bag. And I'm emptying her old one out and I pull out a $400 down jacket. And I look at her and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is just getting squished inside. And with a straight face, she looks at me and says, you told me to put it in there. And I said... <laughs> What? I'm like, well, what happened to all those times you borrowed my jacket? If I told you to put this in there and you did it, then you knew it was in here, which I think you're full of shit. You forgot. And now you're blaming it on me. <laughs> and and these are funny conversations. Like, we're not fighting. I'm looking at her like, are you shitting me? And so I'm like, with a straight face, you're going to blame this on me? Uh, and she doesn't say anything. I'm like, why did you borrow my jacket? There's a jacket in your pocket I gave you because you froze your ass off last time and you had the jacket of all jackets to stay warm in here getting crushed by a 15-pound dumbbell. What the hell, honey? You got to know what's in your pack. And so what, what, when we go through this, I think, you know, I wonder if other couples have these same problems. or is it? And I'm super patient. I just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, and I pull it out and fluff it up and just hope that she kind of learns from that. But, you know, in, in fairness, you know, she's stepping into a varsity level, you know, um, like she, she's doing things now that, that quite honestly, she stepped from literally playing four square to straight into major league baseball. So I, I have a lot of patience for that. Oh yeah. Oh dude, I, I, I'm learning right now. I'm still learning about having the patience to be honest yeah and it's it's having having that understanding like they're stepping into a varsity level pl playing field i mean it's so important but yeah you you are not alone my man we sarah and i swear sarah enjoys arguing with me as much as we argue but we we spend here's the problem is sarah and i spend 24 hours a day together every day with very little breaks I'm sure like with you guys, you're together all the time. You know what I mean? Where I leave Amy for weeks hunting, you guys are like joined at the hip, it seems like. Yeah. So like, I feel like we, we have, in terms of time, we probably have 25 years of marriage worth of time spent together. So you, you know, those old married couples that bicker all the time, like that's Sarah and I, and it's just kind of funny. 
Uh, that's cool, though. You guys have figured out a way to make it work, obviously, so that's good. But, well, man, we're hitting 50 minutes on this portion, so Frank and I probably should go and get back to work because we could talk all day. But, um, man, I, I'd like to get you back on at the end of your season, one, to cover all the questions I'm going to get about diet and nutrition that should be directed towards you. By the way, email Josh, not me, and uh, <laughs> and then talk about your season um, you know, and how everything went as far as that goes. And I know you're super busy, so I appreciate you hopping on here. Yeah, dude. No, I enjoyed it. Love talking with some friends. And uh, anytime, man, we can we can chat about a lot of stuff. And and uh, the grizzly bear hunt will be a fun one. And Africa, it's going to be intense. And then I'm going to Deseret actually for a crazy mule you deer son hunt. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> that's like yeah, the son, tag yeah, I have. That's heck yeah, buddy. I got one. So I got a Deseret tag. I'm going mule deer hunting. Which I might bring the recurve. I might. It depends on the train and the setup, but it could be a recurve muley hunt and try to step up my game to be on the Aaron Snyder uh, status. So that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, right. <laughs> the struggle stick status. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, good Lord. Well, man, I, I, for everybody listening in, um, you know, you can check out uh, Bomar Nutrition. Uh, these guys offer some great products. I can attest that I'm sucking down their protein powder like crazy. Um, and then you guys have constant, uh, anytime I want to feel fat and motivate myself to go to the gym, I just hop on you or uh, Sarah uh, and see what, what page and see what you guys are doing in the gym and uh, to motivate me to get off my ass because you, you guys' page is very informational. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, yeah, let's do it again. Cool, cool. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Josh. We'll see you guys.